Tonight on the show, I am joined by documentarian and all-around badass, Kevin Von Esper. We talk bathtub scenes, haunted garages history, and succubuses with Nightmare Sisters. This is Manic Movie Monday. Okay, art deserves to be preserved and stories deserve to be told. I decided my very first interview was going to be with someone who I not only respected but also admired. So please give a warm welcome to documentarian and all-around badass Kevin Von Esper. Hello! For the touch of your lips, dear, but much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. <laughs> Hi, Kevin. How are you? Thanks I'm for good. having me on your show. I'm the first guest. Wow. I am Ever. Honored. <laughs> I'm highly honored. And this, what's this called? The, ma- the movie. Manic Movie monday podcast just another manic movie monday <laughs> yeah totally oh my good. well congratulations and thank you for having me i'll make it a good one for you so awesome all right so tell me first of all i guess my dookie fly swatter goes way like my obsession yeah what tell goes- your story well, so the first time I ever saw him or knew who he was, was, um, so I think it was sorority babes when he played the imp and sorority babes in the slime ball, slime ball, ball, ball yeah. yeah, look at that. You have an autographed VHS copy. Yeah. Well, you know, along <laughs> my journeys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, what's funny is the Brink autograph. I'm pretty sure I got 20 years ago at a convention. I met oh, her briefly at a convention when I was like 17 years old. Oh my gosh. And then. <laughs> Of course, the other ones I got while doing the documentary, uh, Michelle and Dookie, of course. That's so awesome. Yeah. So that was my first introduction into him. And then I saw Nightmare Sisters. I actually got a bootleg VHS copy when I was 15 (laughs) for my 15th birthday. Do you still have it? um no i i now have oh man you know the right of course dvd version of it or whatever um and uh and omar his role as omar always cracked me up and it wasn't until many years later that i realized he did the soundtrack too and that he did the soundtrack to cyclone and that he's the bartender in hollywood chainsaw hookers yes i'm gonna talk about all of these movies so excited okay take it away buddy i want to know how oh it started for you and how you got the awesome idea to do a documentary about this all right well if you want the full story i gotta go all the way back to what's say 1993 or four and i'm like nine or ten years old okay you know kurt cobain had just died so like my first you know uh exposure to alternative culture sort of music was kind of nirvana because i was like you know a child literally but then i discovered something called three little pigs by green jello which strangely looking back on this you know this was like a hugely popular song and video at the time and um i used to play it for my mom in the car i had the cassette tape and i used to play it for her in the car because she thought it was the most the funniest thing she'd ever heard (laughs) it is it still lives up to being a, a very funny song and i mean 
God, it made this guy's career. You know, he's still doing this off of that one song, you know. Uh, but this was actually unbeknownst to me also until years later. But Dookie Flyswatter was in a video on this called Misadventures of Shitman, <laughs> where he is one of the people who gets turned into this giant shit monster um, star of the song. Amongst them also was current Green Jello drummer at the time. Um, uh, what's his name? Oh, he hasn't done anything since then. Danny Carey. <laughs> and of course, you know who did the voice of the pigs, right? Oh, no. Is, it's not Members of War, is it? No, it's Maynard. Oh, it's Maynard from Tool. Yes. And then Danny, of course, is their drummer and like Tool forms because right. Maynard was living in the green jello space with Bill. And then they like, he was starting his own band and that's where they formed. Actually, I think the three guys, um, my, I'm already on my side tangents. The three guys uh, were auditioning singers and Zach De La Roche was one of them, I believe. Well, maybe it was the opposite. I think Maynard tried out for Rage Against the Machine and then found the Tool guys. Nice. So, but it all happened at Green Jello Studios. Like this was a, a hub of, of musicians and just like weird people, you know, Dookie Flyswatter, Rage Against the Machine, Tool, like they all were just like together in this tiny little art community. Um, and, you know, I think Bill's actually doing this a similar thing now. I don't know if you followed Green Jello's career at all. A little bit, but not, bit. not like I followed Guar, but. That's fair. Well, we can talk about Guar and their new album too, <laughs> if you want, because I have a lot of things to say about that, but that's way on the side tangents. Um, <laughs> I well I'm I like to I don't know if you know this about me but I'm kind of qualified to talk about Green Jello's history being the fact that I am a member of Green Jelly member number 237 uh starting in 2008 which now they've had over a thousand members so I'm considered old school not as old school as the tool guys but you know um wow, wow. Bill now he's does a, a weekly show he's been doing it for over a year now um almost two years now he does a weekly live YouTube show from his new studio space, which is just his living room that he created into a, like a band room slash like TV production studio, like multiple cameras, like professional audio. Like it's it's real legit, even though it's a complete chaotic shit show. And <laughs> to tie this all back together, when I went back to L.A. or not back to L.A., I mean, I went to L.A. last summer to to do all the interviews for this film so far. Uh, I got like about 42 of them while I was there. It was a very crazy two weeks. Um, of course, Bill from Green Jello was amongst them. And while I was there, I set up Haunted Garage to play at their studio space for their web TV show as Haunted Garage's last ever performance. Oh my so God. It's all full circle and it all started with Green Jello. And I know this was just the beginning of my story answering your question. <laughs> but when I was like 11 years old, you know, I discovered Green Jello, and then because of the early internet, I quickly discovered Guar, of course, which I also, you know, someone else already did that documentary, so I can't, it's in the film festivals right now, it's going to be out soon, it's, it's very good. Um, and then the next band you discover is Haunted Garage, and they were sort of the most interesting amongst them to me, just because they were the most mysterious, they had already broken up at the time, and... Mm -hmm they only had one album and like Dookie had this other crazy like side B-movie career that like opened my doors wide open to that kind of world as well. 
So I started the internet's first haunted garage website when I was like 11 years old. And that's the first time I talked to Dookie Flyswatter because they weren't exactly like celebrities that you couldn't find. Like they're, they're pretty accessible <laughs> always. They're celebrities to me, but like to the average person, you know, pretty easy. Like within a month of having a haunted garage website, somebody was sending me Dookie Flyswatter's you know, phone number. So that's uh, when I started collecting his movies. And although I love that uh, collecting VHS is like a whole thing right now. And I, I respect it for that, but I didn't collect these to have the VHS tapes. I collected these because they were the only way to get a copy of that move, this movie at the time in 1990, whatever. Yeah, Killer Workout, directed by Kenneth J. Hall, the writer of Nightmare Sisters, who uh, was actually the first interview we did for this documentary was with him. I love him. I, he wrote, he actually wrote one of my favorite B-movie romantic comedies that will never get a release ever. Ghostwriter? No, The Girl I Want. The Girl I Want. I've never seen that one. It's a Linnea Quigley, Karen huh. Russell movie. It's super hard to find, um, but it's, huh. it's not it's, on DVD or Blu-ray or streaming anywhere. Yeah. Oh God, wow. no, no. I have a, I have a VHS copy that Linnea gave me for my birthday when I wow. was like, well, I can transfer VHS tapes if you need me to do that for you. Oh, that's awesome. I I've been transferring it. tons of uh, VHS tapes for this documentary that, you know, Dookie sent me like two giant boxes of tapes, um, like a, almost probably two years ago now. Uh, so that was a good start to this documentary. It was kind of digitizing the archives. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you have any rare movies you need to preserve, hit I me do. up. That's very true. And I'd love to see that. You know, I love uh, Ken Hall's work. I, I also love his movie, um, Dr. Alien. Oh, I love Dr. Alien. I love that yeah. it's on Tubi right now, too. Is it? See, everyone talks to me about Tubi, and I've never checked it out. I really got to do that, don't I? It is a B-movie buffet. I yeah, mean, but I mean, I have Netflix, Hulu, yeah. Amazon Prime, Trauma I Now. Know. HBO. But Tubi's, Tubi's free and too. Like, That's why I love it. Oh, okay. it's, I can just That's, I'm sold. The, yeah. Yeah. Great. It's it's just you just type in Linnea Quigley's name and Not it's that like, I'm like worried about <laughs> you know that it would be expensive or anything, but no. I just don't have time to watch the movies that I already do have access to. <sighs> I totally <laughs> understand that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, so I don't know if I, I think I answered your question. Yes, Anyways, you did. it's been a lifelong passion since then. Uh, I know your question was, how did this documentary get started? Right. Yes. I was a lifelong fan. That was just my like history with the band up till up till 11 years old. Um, and then, you know, for the past 15 or so years, I'm a professional videographer, like photographer kind of in that world. But all the content I create, is for other people for the most part. So when the pandemic hit, you know, kind of all my jobs dried up because they involved being around people, you know, <laughs> for the most part. And then um, I kind of had the first, for the first time, like a window of time to maybe start my own project internally for my company. And it became this documentary because it's the perfect marriage of my professional life and my passions amazing and i think i think i am the oh the most qualified person in the world to do that because of my history with the band and with my craft 
Absolutely. I would agree. And if you didn't, if you can't, you know, this was kind of also one of those things like these guys are getting old, like King Dinosaurs in his 70s, like COVID's going around. You don't know, like, especially at the beginning of this thing, people could just be like dropping dead all the time. And if there's ever a time to do this, it has to be now. And we have actually lost a few people, people involved in Nightmare Sisters, even um, since the pandemic started, which we were supposed to, well, we'll talk about that later, but. Oh, no, I totally want to hear about that. Are you talking about, are you talking about Jonathan Gorman? No, who's that? (laughs) I think he's the priest. Oh, okay. He died during COVID. No, I, the, the only, he literally is the only person I can think of involved with Nightmare Sisters in the cast that is like, well, he was older he wasn't than in you the cast, I. so, <laughs> right, um, no, it was, um, one of the art, um, like, special effects artists, Cleve Hall, uh, Kenneth J. Hall's brother. Oh, Cleve, oh, okay, Cleve yeah. is in Girl I Want. Great. And and he was very instrumental in the beginning of Haunted Garage and getting effects on stage. Like they would, he would be a part of it and he would do makeup for them. And he borrowed and created monsters for their show. Like um, the monster yeah. who he created for, uh, let me get my prop here. He, I don't know if you've ever seen this Dookie Flyswatter classic rollerblade warriors taken by force. Oh my God. No, but that was fantastic it's the guy uh who made you know hell comes to frogtown hell comes to frogtown yeah but think of this as hell comes to frogtown but like a lot more rapey (laughs) (laughs) so that's why you've never seen this come out on blu-ray because it's kind of a rough movie but uh dookie fly swatter and johnny psycho and cleve hall are like the main bad guys in this and they're kind of roaming the uh post-apocalyptic deserts looking for a virgin and there's a month because they need to feed it to this monster who only eats virgins of course wow it's a very terrible looking monster and that's why you can't look at it for too long um but they would start bringing that out at the haunted garage shows like as a prop and stuff like that and that's how kind of like their whole thing is like bar you know they're like a b-movie on stage you never know what to expect and because they have all these friends in the movie industry whenever there's like a leftover prop or you know something that they could acquire uh from the dumpster or whatever Mm -hmm. including um even props from alice cooper's old stage show that they used as part of their photoshop um Uh, photo shoot for their album yeah these were acquired from an old alice cooper stage show so you know, just whatever they could get their hands on became part of the show. And of course, Cleve Hall and and all these guys were, were a big part of it. So we lost Cleve? Yeah, he um, passed away during the pandemic. I so don't think it was necessarily directly related to COVID, but it was during that time period. And he was going to be interviewed for the documentary. Oh, yeah, yeah. He plays so a It was like, that's a bad start. Like, I hadn't even started it yet. And like, someone's dead. It's like, yeah. fuck. So far, the only one or two other people have died since then, but none of the main uh, characters. Well, I knew that I knew that Dookie, aka Michael, I knew that he had had a brain tumor yes. removed. Um, yes, successfully. Successfully uh, and benign. Yeah. Yeah. So, is he in good health currently? Um. 
I think he's not having any problems with that, at least. <laughs> but he is kind of like a becoming a frail old man of sorts. You know, yeah, he's lived a hard life, and that's just you know, uh. I mean, you look at that guy jumping around on stage in the 90s and he was not young then. Like, no. he has always been old to he's me. A very, um, yeah, he's a very nimble guy for yeah. his stature, <laughs> you know? Right, like, yeah, you know, so stage. he's done some damage to that body and uh, mentally and physically and uh, through various substance abuses in this history, you know, which... You know, he's been more or less sober for the last 30 so years. But, you know, it's, there was a nice. hard rock and roll life. And there was a lot of things that, let's say, would have got would go di- undiagnosed back then, like uh, mental illness issues and things like that, which we've discovered since the 90s. You know, he was bipolar and stuff like that. And like, oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, it's so, like this is this is. My heart is like so full I, yeah, right I don't, now. I don't think I'm like um, spoiling or revealing anything. This is all going to be part of the story, and he's no, pretty open about it. That's so awesome. I've been sober 15 years, and I'm bipolar. So honestly, it's like that. You're, yeah, you're a little mini Dookie flyswatter. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I made. I don't know if you saw it. I made a whole teaser trailer about just people talking about how he helped them get sober and was their sponsor and like so you know, cool. like his true legacy amongst people who really know him in Hollywood is that he's like a helper you know and, yeah. and a spiritual guide of sorts and you oh. never expect that from someone who's fucking Omar and Nightmare Sisters you know what I mean no cash in advance <laughs> yeah that's like I think I'm gonna talk about that uh one of my favorite lines of the movie Oh yeah. Oh, I, I totally, it was funny. Cause I was watching, I was rewatching it the other night just to, I just really, watched it today right before this podcast, just to refresh. And I, yeah, and yeah. I still laugh at the same stuff. You know, I, I do. I still you laugh, laugh at, at the, the same whole... stuff and you cringe at the same stuff. I'm sure I do, too, but there's, you know? a there's a lot little of bit of cringe, cringe in this, but um, yeah. it is definitely a product of its time and oh, you yeah. wouldn't want to change it for anything. <laughs> just recognize <laughs> it's, context and history yeah it was 1987 <laughs> and it was a different time period and it was a different this was a genre of film that could literally never be done today um it's there's no way <laughs> and the same can be said for haunted garage i think during the interview process dookie was kind of like hearing it all being said out loud is just like am I going to get canceled for all this shit? You know, Aww. like this is all stuff you could not do now, but you know, it was all in good fun, which is really the, the baseline of it all. And it was never punching down. It was, they were the, already the bottom. So how could you, you know, <laughs> and if you, um, if you went there and was offended by a little fleshiness or um, right. getting hit in the face with some slime or whatever, then like, why were you there in the first place? Flash zone. <laughs> kind of like <laughs> their their reputation preceded them. And at least it wasn't Gigi Allen where you would get like some real Dude, shit. Yeah. That, there's a big difference between the two. Like, yes. One's a shock performer and one's yes. an asshole, you know? Thank you. Exactly. It's one person that that's their stage persona and they actually are a genuinely good person. That would be Dookie. And then Gigi Allen. yeah and that's why i love in the in my trailer i have robbie wrist um said he's like gg allen but fun 
but fun. I know yeah. it's like the best. That's such a great. Because he's quote. not gonna hurt. He's not actually gonna hurt anybody besides himself. You know. True. And plus, you know, uh, I've never made this comparison on a podcast before, but Gigi Allen and Dookie, yeah, <laughs> like adjust your screen, you know. So there's no comparison there. Oh my goodness. All right. So <laughs> how now first yes. of all, you're like a biscuit younger than me. So you're I am 38 years old. Oh god. Yeah, you're so you're like four years younger than me. Okay. So. So we were probably watching these yeah. movies at a time when we weren't supposed to be watching these movies. Oh, yeah. And I was, I mean, I had owned some of these movies by the time I was like 11. You know, yes. like I was right into it. And yeah, I think I turned out okay is really like the, the story here. Absolutely. I had <laughs> David Dakota's unlisted phone number. And really, I because I'm having a hard time getting in touch with David Dakota, who I would like in this documentary. I called. We got Fred Olin Ray. Right. Like, hey. David, if you're listening, like, I mean, whatever. Dude, I but emailed you. Seriously. No, I are at rapidheart.com. I called Cinema Home Video every night and I asked the same question every time because I'm a kid. I'm a kid and I don't uh, understand. What would you have said if he was there, though? Like, what was the oh, end goal? No, I've talked to him. I talked to him before when okay. I was a kid. I don't have any reference as an adult, but when I was when I was a kid, I think I called him and he was nice enough to send me a cassette tape of the um, the score for Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bowlerama. Whoa. And the Guy Moon uh, score. And I had that. That was I, you know, partially missing in most releases until recently. And acted it out with my Barbie dolls and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, that you know. was that ever released? Because I know. No, no. Yeah, that's that's a good was nice a, little find total you know thing that he sent me because because i asked him specifically i wanted the soundtrack because i'm a soundtrack yeah. collector here in the darkness yeah yeah, yeah that exactly. song's a banger and all those songs i wanted them really badly and he was like i can't give them to you because i don't have them he's like but yeah. he goes i can send you the cassette of the score and i was like okay i'll take 11, what i can get you know? yeah but i used to call them every night and i'd be like I is wish there, you had asked him for the Nightmare Sisters. I said, soundtrack. "Is Nightmare Sisters?" Uh, that's every single time I said, "Is Nightmare oh, okay. Sisters coming on VHS?" Are you guys ever releasing Nightmare Sisters? Do you no, have but, a copy of Nightmare Sisters? Wait, had you had you even seen it at that point? No, I right. just I knew. No, but you should have asked for the soundtrack. Yeah, the Haunted Garage, which is on your website, correct? Yes, but I have to. Uh, the campaign ended this weekend, oh. so you missed it for now. Fail. Like I would like to, I would like to see that officially released finally at some point. But like I'm not a record label, but I have the material now. If anyone wants to do it, you know what I mean. Like, what the fuck are you waiting for? Yeah, Everyone, you know, I thought that was going to be a big seller, but uh, not that many people actually got it. So. Only a few people in the world get to hear the Nightmare Sisters soundtrack for now. And it's great. It's fucking great. Yeah, which the... took me forever to find. I finally found it. Was that in the group of the stuff that... that Dookie um... didn't have it. I oh. had to get it from uh, their bass player. King had a copy. Thank God. Wow. And it looked like the master mix down cassette from the session because there was like multiple mixes of several of the songs and everything. It's like, wow. That is so cool. Oh my God. Yeah. 
Um, so how old were you when you first saw Nightmare Sisters? Because because did you see the USA version of it? First no, I you- no, I never saw that till the Blu-ray came out. I somehow missed up all night. I know I would have enjoyed it, but I was so busy just watching MTV all the time, uh-huh. just like 24-7 on MTV or VH1. But that was a little bit more boring back then. Uh, um, I was probably 11 or so. I don't know. I bought this cassette. I mean, the um, VHS version. I don't know where I got it, but Are I believe it's an X-Rental. No, oh, it's a I VHS must have just... Rental. Oh, maybe not. It's a midnight releasing. Um, I have no idea. Midnight movies. It says um, Cinema Home Productions Incorporated. Mm-hmm. Oh, Printed man. in the Netherlands. So it's probably a Oh, leg. that's why. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But uh, I probably ordered it from some obscure website or or mailing lists kind of like deal. You know, I used to trade bootlegs and stuff back when I was a teenager. So I had, you know, when I knew what I was looking for, I usually could find it, you know, without too much trouble. So you saw that movie when you were 11. So I'm, I'm guessing that was probably your, was that your like, this movie made me a man kind of a movie because it's just <laughs> my long, sexual long awakening nudity. <laughs> um, for the purposes of this podcast, let's say yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. We'll I, that. It, it definitely gave it some bonus points in my book as a movie at the time and still till today. It's a lot of nudity and so i understand that they would they would literally have to reshoot that film well yeah this get it on usa yeah and the story behind that is sort of like usually they would just cut it out and then have a shorter movie but when they cut it all out they had too short of a movie Mm-hmm. So they had to go back and do the the bouncing on the bed with the balloons, uh, which was funny because they weren't gonna um, change the sound mix, which had the the soap rubbing the, like the, squeaks. The balloon, yeah the, yeah, the balloon rubbing was supposed to be the boob rubbing, right? Yeah, which so. is hilarious. That's like how serious this movie takes itself, you know? Yeah, the longest I would say uh, probably the longest a bath scene in movie history if, if anyone can think of oh. anything longer no it goes I, I it down it goes it's... from minute 44 to 49 so <laughs> it's a five minute it. scene although you know intercut with some the guys talking in various locations i but love that you timestamp that though because i just wanted people... to know yes for the, for the details here you know how long is it actually it's a five minutes which is funny because the song playing by Haunted Garage, which is the probably the silliest song they ever recorded, called Yumpin' Yimini, Suck on My Chimney. And stay <laughs> tuned for the documentary to hear the story behind that one, as asked to him by Brink Stevens and Michelle Bauer, who were interviewed at the same time. Um, that song's only two and a half minutes. <laughs> oh my so, God, so what did they do? We're Just hearing it like at least twice. Oh God. Like it's a the shortest song that they probably ever recorded for the longest bat scene in movie history. Wow. Now that's yeah, that's interesting because I know <laughs> that they did the theme. Like I know that yeah, they have four like, songs they recorded for the movie. Um 
that one and then of course the theme song sorority sister succubus Mm -hmm. that one's played in full i think that's the only one maybe and the other two are kind of like chopped into the credits um it was the two-headed incredible two-headed transplant and brain in a jar which brain in a jar became one of their classic songs of all time and probably like you know it's like their stairway or sweet home (laughs) alabama you can't have a haunted garage show without brain in a jar that's an interesting uh it's interesting you should mention sweet home alabama so do you know the story behind i know you know this but the so one of the actors who's in nightmare sisters uh cj cox yep his real name um can't make this stuff up he went and you really can't um he went on to write the screenplay for sweet home alabama the rom-com that Oh, yes, it's on Wait, my who, I've never seen it. Who's in that one? So it's that uh, I think it's Reese Witherspoon. And I mean, it, we're talking rom. OK, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. I did not know that. Um, I thought you were going to mention the Confederate flag in the room. Right. What is OK? Thanks. <laughs> thank you. It's, I was it's, like, it's, oh, it's one of them became a racist man. or what? It's yeah, yeah. Me I was too. like, what's going you on? You can't ignore that dorm room. <laughs> well. I mean, I don't think the filmmakers were signaling anything. I think that was just kind of probably if you are in a dorm room somewhere in the South, this location of this movie is is never um, revealed. Right. But um, it's very plausible that it would be there, I suppose. I figured it was just leftover from Creepazoids. No, well, I think because of the Creepazoid poster in the background, they probably did this one separately. Oh my God. But, um, you know, I'm pretty sure David Dakota uh, is not a, a Nazi uh, or anything. And I'm, no. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure he likes the same sex. So, like, I don't think he would fit in with those kinds of people. No. But, it, it, which is, it's too bad that it, the they didn't show the other, um, um, what are they called? Uh, not sorority. What's the opposite? The fraternity, fraternity guys. Yeah. I wish we had seen one of their rooms and maybe it was in that because those guys were clearly the bad guys oh, who were God. like super homophobic and also because of their rule in the book about some you know activity with other men but then they said they took out the rule about bestiality so there's right. some crazy terrible shit and if it was in their room then it would be like more you know acceptable because they're the bad guys oh my god who's your favorite character in the movie Oh, it's got to be Dookie, of course. Omar. Right. Yeah. Omar's the best. He's got the best lines, in my opinion. It's like, what did he say? Oh, we'll cash in advance. And then yeah. ain't you the feisty little minx? <laughs> right. Well, that that is, okay, that is Omar, but channeling the voice of the guy. Channeling the Southern guy. Yeah, the, yeah. Um, Clayton. No, Clinton. Clinton. Clint, Clint, yeah. Clint. Clint, right. honey what's wrong and the thing i love specifically about that line cash in advance is maybe this was maybe this is just me thinking too much about it but it feels like omar is a character that yes played and that's like yes and that's his real voice right yeah he's breaking the break he's breaking that character right which which is which is great because it makes uh, Dookie's uh, role less problematic, I would say. 
yeah, yeah, we weren't gonna weren't gonna go there, but I mean, whatever. We're like, not gonna talk the about thing. the imp. I mean, you want to talk about the imp? I will no. be. I'll, I'll have to. I'll have to cut this part out. But as a kid, <laughs> I grew up thinking that the imp was portrayed by an African American character, like an African American actor. Right. Well, Dookie was doing an impression of Audrey too from Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. So which he was doing is a black steps. man. But what's funny also is. Leon Stubbs was apparently channeling Screamin' Jay Hawkins, which is in turn one of Dookie's biggest influences. So all comes full circle, baby. I mean, hey, if you're in Hollywood and someone gives you a job, I think you take it. That's probably and and David Dakota uh, had heard him doing an impression of Audrey too. I think on the set of Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers when he was hanging out there. So that's how he got hired for the role. And then of course, Nightmare Sisters was literally started filming like i think within a week after sorority sisters wrapped so it was basically mm-hmm. a continuation of that whole cast and crew yeah yeah i like michelle well i like michelle playing you know the the heavy set i like michelle too it's i just love michelle general. michelle's my favorite so i i just i like her and i like her and my favorite my favorite part in sorority babes and like I, I don't even think I even talked about this with you guys or whatever. But one of my favorite parts is when she's, she's seducing, um, whatever his name is, and yeah. she said Keith, and she goes, Keith, I have your pants. <laughs> <laughs> she is a comedic genius. She's great. Um, I, love I her. heard, I think Fred Olin Ray said it on the commentary for Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, like. And you, you got to, I can never like unthink this, but anytime <laughs> she's on screen, especially in that movie, but I think it applies to all of her movies. If she's on screen and you pause it, she's going to have some hilarious face on. Like there's no, she's yeah. just on all the time and it's always 100% hilarious. hilarious. Yeah, she's fantastic. I like love even her. when she's being sexy and like totally naked, she's right. hilarious. He has all those like crazy faces. I just love her in, uh, in Nightmare Sisters, because I, I too have binge eaten potato chips while someone is telling a disturbing story. <laughs> so, <laughs> I related so much to that character. I was yeah, like, yeah, Mickey, I get it. I get it. Eat your feelings. <laughs> um, my my least favorite character in that whole movie is Dwayne. In fact, if I had a hate about the whole which movie, one is he because all the frat guys kind of mix together. They all the like to say right. No, Dwayne is the nerd that um not ends up i don't say ends up with but is supposed to be with bring stevens's character marcy Mm -hmm. um and he's just like a douche from the very beginning like he doesn't want to go to the party he doesn't want to be introduced to the girls either you know i mean he's just like ah you know um but but he does have a really good spit take and i (laughs) give him credit for that because he's sitting there drinking whatever he's drinking and marcy comes over and her pigtails licking her lollipop. And lollipop yeah. And like, Do you want to play with me? And he's like, oh. <laughs> 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 it was like, yes. Spit take awards for the B movie, best B movie spit take. And um, and as far as like lines go, I mean, it's like maybe they got run over by a bus. I say that when the Uber Eats guy is late. Wow. And I say it in the voice too. <laughs> I'm like, maybe they got run over by a bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's there's some good lines in here thanks kenneth j hall who wrote this script in about a week i know 
I, I don't think there was any revisions on it. <laughs> that's what IMDb, you know, says. It says that it was like this was first draft, no revisions. They just it's raw. Yeah, I think in, in terms of filmmaking, I think uh, um, David and Fred were kind of in a friendly competition to see who could make a movie in the least amount of time. And um, they apparently shot this in four days. And then Fred shot Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers in three and a half. Oh, my goodness. Oh, so that's that was kind of like a friendly competition between the two. That's crazy. And I mean, in addition to Dookie Flashwater being in haunt, you know, being haunted garage and and being this you know brilliant B movie actor, he also wrote Blood Diner, Hello, and Surf Nazis Must Die. <laughs> Blood Diner. That's yeah, amazing. He, he was in Surf Nazis. He didn't write. Oh, it. he's in it, but he didn't write it. Okay. Yeah, got yeah. It. yeah, yeah. Blood Diner is a classic, a movie featuring a brain in a jar. That's right. Yes. So he wrote that and he wrote Frozen Scream. He wrote Frozen Scream. Well, he Frozen Scream is a sorted story, but Ooh, he was is hired. that on the documentary? Yeah, of course. He uh wait, let me get my old school. Look at this. Oh, look at the executioner. Yeah, which is great. Part when, two. Um, when Vinegar Syndrome, I think it was, re, uh put Frozen Scream out on DVD finally a couple years ago. They did it with the executioner too as a double feature. So they went back to the original source. Oh my goodness. I mean, this wow, like this is old Look school. Look at that. Shit. Old school with the silver. Yeah. yeah this is not label. a good movie. <laughs> I would not necessarily recommend it uh, to check it out. But the story behind that is he was hired with a couple other people to rewrite the script um, because it was kind of written by, I guess, this actress who. Uh, English was not her first language, and I don't think she had ever written a movie or let alone a horror movie. Oh, boy. So they took out like large chunks of, you know, boring dialogue and added, you know, whatever they added. And then apparently they hardly used any of it in the final project anyways. So like, don't he is not responsible for what you see on screen. He <laughs> tried to help. <laughs> but the good thing about that movie was it got his name out there. And that's how um Fred Olin Ray found him and asked him to write Prison Ship or AKA mm -hmm. Star Slammer. Star Slammer. Also, yeah, he, yeah, he wrote that one. I do know about Star Slammer. I had no fucking idea it was called Prison Ship. Well, <laughs> it's called it Prison Star Ship. It was called Star Slammer. It was called The Adventures of Tara. It had a bunch of names and I don't know mm -hmm. why they had so many names for this. Oh, the um, this copy I have is called Star Slammer. The Star Slammer. Escape. Oh, look at that. It's just like, there's a ton of names for this movie. I don't know it's why. Um, but um, yeah, it's a classic uh, that Dookie wrote. And, and and in archiving old Haunted Garage stuff, going back to before the classic lineup, the original, original guys from back in the mid-80s, um, they actually wrote a song for that movie that never got used called Space Angels in Cages. And uh, it was a great little tune. And I found a demo of it and, and some live recordings, but that's it. Like after about 1986, that song was never heard again. Oh my God. And that was on the Indiegogo too. Uh, speaking of which, all right. So we know that the Indiegogo is finito. It's it is done. over. Yeah, we, I, I'm pretty happy with the outcome. Um, I had an ambitious goal. I didn't know 
you know, this is a very niche subject matter. So <laughs> it was like, I'll take what I can get. Um, but uh, I think probably in the near future, it's going to turn into the Dookie Doc store for a while. I think I'll, you know, some of the leftover perks and, and stuff like that will still be offered. Um, I think they're, they let me do that. Um, Indiegogo, very that's cool. kind of why I chose that platform because it's very flexible. And then, um, yeah, maybe I'm thinking if I need to uh, another round of it in October in spooky season, you know. Oh, very cool. So very I'll cool. like work on it over the summer and see see how it goes. So what's the next step for you? Um, hopefully I'm going to fly back to L.A. this summer to do some more interviews and follow ups and, and what whatnot. Um, now, yeah, I just got to like I, I'm starting to next week, I'm starting to interview some people virtually that are just really hard to get to because they're not on either coast. They're like somewhere in the middle, like <laughs> Utah or Texas. And it's just like, oh, I can't go everywhere. I so I think I'm going to, I'm going to start, I'm sending them like my lavalier microphones. So it's still like decent sound and everything. Um, and I'm going to start interviewing people that I'm missing, including some of the old band members starting next week. And so that's the next step. And then, um, maybe just continuing rough editing, you know, and seeing what else I can acquire and following up on everything that I've supposed to have followed up on the last, you know, two years of, of getting this thing off the ground. And then, oh. you know, I'm kind of the one man band on this project. So it's kind of at my pace, you know, it'll get done when it gets done. Yeah. Oh, I understand that. I have good intentions and it's definitely happening, but you know, I have no other answers for that question. For now. I gotcha. Yeah, now. Okay. Well, all right. So to, to wrap up, where can people Wow, stop we're you? wrapping up already? I mean, follow you. <laughs> uh, DukeyDoc.com is the best way to find everything. D-U-K-E-Y-D-O-C.com. See, I got a lot of stickers left over, so I'm going to have to offer these still somehow. Um that's where everything's collected, all the press, all the trailers, the Indiegogo link, you know, if you want to check that out still. Uh, at Dookie Doc on Instagram is where I'm most active. Um, I do have a Twitter, but like, fuck Twitter. I don't know. I just, I spend the least amount of time as possible on that platform. Uh, and on Facebook, I started a group a, a while ago called the life and slimes of dookie fly swatter and haunted garage and the beauty of that is it's not just me it's like old band members and old fans of the band and it's all just a community so you're never gonna you never know what you're gonna see day to day like old flyers or carl crew posts a lot on there from blood diner so you see like old behind the scenes pictures of him and dookie or or you know filming blood diner and stuff like that very awesome, man. Well, I thank you so much for doing this and for being my very first interview in a history of interviews. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I am was excited to finally get to talk about Nightmare Sisters on a podcast because I've done a bunch of his other movies on different podcasts. Uh, and this one for me is like so important because it's it's kind of the epicenter. It's like the thesis of, to the whole thing. It's like everything coming together in one movie yep. you got the three you know legendary scream queens uh they only did two movies together in the in that classic time period i would have said um you know 
Nightmare Sisters, Sorority Babes, and Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers are like the holy grail trinity of like the Scream Queen era movies. But Brink wasn't in this one, so it's kind of incomplete. She was asked to be in it, but she declined because of the name of the movie at the time. She was still like, you know, didn't think, you know, what she wasn't trying to get that reputation, even though obviously. You know, Sorority Babes was originally called The Imp. That's why she did that one. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that's the missing puzzle piece. But, um, um, yeah, you got the three Scream Queens, Kenneth J. Hall, Cleve Hall, Haunted Garage soundtrack. And that was kind of like, like you, I know you mentioned Cyclone. They were the band playing in that movie. Yeah, in the bar scene. I, I just yeah. figured that out the other day. I was like, that's... Right. That's that's, yeah. that's that's a very early version of Haunted Garage. Um, yep. And I found those recordings as well. Those were kind of long lost for a while. Uh, but they they started as a band that were playing were covering bad movie themes from bad movies. And people didn't know those movies. So they probably thought they were originals anyway. So that's why yeah. they started writing their own songs that sounded like B movies or were about B movies. Or as Dookie got deeper into his movie career um, for B-movies, I also found a song that he wrote for Surf Nazis Must Die that never got used. Nice. Yeah. So like their intention was sort of to be this band that would do the themes for actual B-movies. And the only time it ever actually happened was in Nightmare Sisters, where they actually wrote a theme song for the movie that he was also involved in. So it's just like, it's such an important movie um and how can you not like it there's so much nudity in it it's wonderful <laughs> uh i love brink when i asked her about you know the those scenes she said she was a very clean actress oh that's funny yeah but they were the all cleanest very clean, very oh, clean. i wanted to show this to you before i forget so this is my copy of santa monica boulevard boy oh wow wait um this is, is this that is like my... an release of some sort no this is oh. Linnea birthday one of my many birthday presents i've gotten over the years from her and this has like all her stuff from the skirts and then santa monica boulevard boy which i was available anywhere because i i do have questions about the skirts i don't know as much about them but i would like to see footage of uh linnea like playing live or or what else they did yeah i to be honest with you i don't even know if anything like that exists i know that i it because i have both autobiographies i'm in one of them Oh, wow. um my my letter you know dear Linnea my name is Erin oh, I live I gotta, in Florida I gotta find those <laughs> I am 12 <laughs> yeah 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 no seriously that's a real letter um so yeah but this was this was one of those things she gave me and I never got rid of it that's awesome so I can fun. transfer cassettes as well oh that's awesome I would love it I love this this is yeah you know, I swear I mean, I'll send them back you know so, uh, if you need any VHSs and cassettes, like totally. That's I'll how I got them. all this material for the documentary. That's so cool. And man. one beta tape was sent to me. I couldn't do that one, but I had it professionally done. Uh, did you get anybody else from the cast besides Linnea and Brink? I mean, no, besides Michelle and Brink, rather. Um, no, I we tried to get Linnea done the same day, but it just didn't work out. So I hope maybe she'll she'll be one of those virtual interviews or something. You know, I still it would be forever incomplete in my mind if her you know head didn't pop up in this documentary 
Yeah. Um, we have, you know, gone back and forth a little bit about it, but not in a while. Uh, Kenneth J. Hall, the writer we interviewed. Um, I'm still looking for David Dakota, although we did finally get Fred Olin Ray, who wasn't directly involved with this, but no, was very but... much involved with the whole scene and is probably an expert on it. In, in fact, I believe the Blu-ray commentary is Fred and David, just because Fred's such a historian about the scene He's and, and movies. He's hilarious. Yeah. I love him. So, um, yeah, that's about it. I think they well represent the movie. I mean, those are the important people to me. And of course, the members of Haunted Garage who recorded yeah. the soundtrack, you know, yeah. um, in particular, I wanted to say uh, King Dinosaur, the bass player, hates the theme song to this movie. It was like <laughs> one of his least favorite Haunted Garage songs. I love that song. I love it too. You know, you, whatever. They kind of abandoned this material like almost immediately. Like, like no later incarnations of the band played um, the theme song. And I don't think they ever played Yump and Yimini live. Um, uh, I, but they did record it at California S Studios on uh, November 22nd, 1987. The producer was Del Kasher, who did the, the score for the movie. Um, and the most interesting thing about him that I found out was that he invented the wah pedal. <gasps> no shit yeah so like okay. how crazy is that like he that recorded haunted garage that's and um yeah it's a great movie you get the tone of it straight from the beginning um yeah fortune telling crystal much... gazing uh let's let's, let's see and food. income tax i love that yeah. i do I and love it says that. love and money love and money it. <laughs> uh what else can i say about this let's See, I want to get some fun facts if, at the end. If, yeah, absolutely. It was filmed on 35 millimeters short ends that were left over from David Dakota's movie Lady Avenger, which I've shamefully never seen. No, um, no, Kenneth, I know it's it's. I mean, it's it's part it's of his there. whole thing, yeah. but I've never seen it. Yeah, I gotta do that. I'm trying to catch up. Uh, Kenneth J. Hall, uh, who wrote the movie, he um, wrote it in one week, and he recommended Dookie Flyswatter because he has a replica of his own head that they could use for the head ripping <laughs> in which Fred, it was created for the song two-headed transplant the haunted garage song which is in the soundtrack but um also used by fred olin ray he gets his head ripped off in um phantom empire which mm -hmm. uh, michelle bauer is also very naked throughout <laughs> and also starring um um Jeffrey Combs from Cyclone, and of course, I love him. Yeah, I love him so much. And you know what? I I, I have a thing for nerdy guys, so I love in the fact there that Cyclone, go. like the kid, you must love know, Reanimator. Yeah, the kids yeah. like the kids like wow, and he takes his helmet off, and it's Jeffrey fucking Combs, and it's like yeah, yeah. I gotta rewatch that. I haven't watched that one in a while. I love Cyclone. Um, yeah, I mean, I love it's fucking haunted garage in the middle of the movie. How, how awesome, awesome is that? Uh, and fun fact, Andy Chavez, the guitar player for the revival of Haunted Garage that went from 2013 to, to last year, um, was um, Jeffrey's makeup person for his Nevermore show for like 13 years. Wow. So there's, you know, associations all over the place. I love um, that they self-reference some of the, their own films in this. Uh -huh. um, yeah. When they're looking... And well, then the poster. and Michelle 
talks about the tomb talks about the tomb yeah which is her first movie with fred olin ray and dookie flyswatter is also in the tomb he's an egyptian waiter in the first scene he has one line so there's you know the whole scene is is back again so Uh she says yeah line about the tomb and then linnea says the one stupid zombie picture was enough for me yeah exactly so i thought that was funny you know I don't know if it was a reference to it, but later in the movie, Brink says it's party time. Ah, oh, <laughs> oh I, yeah. I don't know. You would think it'd be funnier if Linnaeus did it, but um, gotta love 45 Grave, and they used to play shows with Haunted Garage. They're closely associated in the scenes. That's a, you know, that's funny you should say that because I have a friend who is obsessed with finding the movie that party time is used in that they did not get paid for. And I thought huh. it was hard bodies because it's in hard bodies, but he says, no, it's I know not. there's a movie. I don't know what it is, but I heard there's a movie that features the original version of party time, which was more uh-huh. like a hardcore song. Yeah. It's a I really wonder, gross song. <laughs> I wonder if it's that one. Yeah. It's Cause the first one's song. very fast. Yeah. And like, just very, um, crass and you know yeah. they definitely uh and you know mtv eyes it for the return oh of the yeah page, so absolutely i wonder if it's that movie i'm not sure though but i love 45 grave and i mean we someone can, they, they have a great do. history too i mean they're, yeah one of I their mean, guitar players is in the Foo fighters now like holy see? shit so yeah, that's what I'm saying is it's all, all that stuff has its roots. And it all went back to the germs. Yep. Yep. And the damned and the dead boys. Well, not directly the, I mean, directly to the germs. Their drummer right. was 45 Graves drummer and Pat Smear was also Pat Smear. Originally yeah, in the germs. Yeah, yeah. So. And he was in 45 Graves <laughs> for a minute. So. Good Lord. Oh, and now God. they're I'm... like the biggest band in the world, basically like, holy shit. I have my I have a GoGo's poster on my wall that's framed because they I'm were from that Go-Go's scene fan. too. Yeah, yep. I mean, um, there's a definitely one story in the documentary um, about a haunted garage member at a GoGo's party. <laughs> you know, that <laughs> yeah, was just I, the scene. That was. Just I hear, I hear those were some pretty legendary parties. So well, he got lucky. <laughs> so yeah, and- I'd say it was a good party. Super, super dirty. All right, man. Thank you so much for doing this. You got it. I appreciate it very much. I'll let you know when it's edited up and all that good stuff. Yeah, I will share it. And uh, everyone go watch a bad movie. That's right. Nightmare Sisters. It's on YouTube. It's free. You can watch it. No, YouTube. It's it's not on Tubi anymore. They took it off. Well, it's who uploaded it on YouTube? Just somebody like no, Some go random. buy a copy from Vinegar Syndrome. Exactly. Like you can get buy this, a copy, dude. Two K, two K remastered print. You know, it's like you're never gonna get any better than this. Right? So support has... the people so they can keep putting out bad movies on high quality. Yeah, Vinegar Syndrome. Media. Vinegar Syndrome is like that's where all my paychecks go. So I totally right. Yeah. Absolutely. I missed. I, I wish I got the um, the cool uh, slip cover for this, but I missed out on that. Yeah. But I mean, go get it. You can even watch the the TV version on here. That's Ugh. that's how you should get this movie. Which is so crazy. All right, cool, man. All right, well, thank you so much, Kevin. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Have a good night. Good night.